0: Hi, I'm Dr. Rahman and this is Black Women's Health. We continue. Um,
1: yep, I, I heard the whole story
2: and I wanted to, I don't know, I don't want to interrupt your line of questionings, but there's some really important things that she brought up that I just have to address. Okay, Go ready. Okay. you, you, you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, so first of all, let me ask you a question. When you presented to that physician that misdiagnosed you, did you have a scaly rash on your nipple?
1: No. Did you just have bloody or clear nipple discharge? It started out clear, but by the time, it, by the time we got to November, um, October and November, it had turned kind of bloody mixed with clear. Okay, so important, and she she was still telling you at that point that it was nothing? Well, by the time we got to November, now they want to do more testing. Okay, so some important distinctions.
2: Bilateral clear nipple discharge, especially in younger women, is usually benign. Uh, But when you get above 45, especially if it's just one-sided, even with a normal mammogram, There is an entity called the intraductal papilloma. You can think of it like a polyp in your milk duct, just like the polyps in your colon when they do a colonoscopy. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: those things can mutate and become cancer. So we often see cancers arising in intraductal papillomas. So they have to be removed. But anybody that shows up with bloody nipple discharge, mammogram normal, ultrasound normal, uh, exam otherwise normal still needs to have that ductal size because the intraductal papilloma can turn into breast cancer. So that's the first um, uh, hiccup in, in in what was done. The second thing is fibrocystic change in your breast does not make you more likely to get breast cancer. Dense breasts are harder to diagnose on mammograms. So every mammogram will have the disclaimer that 10 to 15% of breast cancers are not picked up by mammograms. So even if your mammogram is normal, if you feel a lump in your, the change in your breast, nipple discharge, bloody nipple discharge, scaly rash on the nipple, unusual pains, it still needs to be checked out. Um, so, you know, the two go hand in hand and, and. The, 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 the They had started with this, you know, don't do self-breast exams because we're doing too negative, too many uh, unnecessary biopsies, especially for black women. I say the heck with that. Do your daggone breast exam. You know what your breast normally feels like better than any doctor because you with your breast every single day. And if you feel something unusual about your breast, you get it checked out until you're satisfied that, you know, okay. I had this twinge and now it's gone. So maybe it was just too much caffeine or whatever. But if it's a persistent thing, there's a breast biopsy is the most innocuous operation that you can have. Most innocuous procedure you can have. Insist on a biopsy. Uh, and if you, you know, notice something persistent and the doctor pooh your concerns, go find another doctor. Because if you had an intraductal papilloma in April, you would not be in this situation now. And there's no way to go back and say what was in April and so on and so forth. But you know, you did everything you were supposed to do, and somebody dropped the ball. And and the thing, I'm sorry. Let me. I'm going to just finish one other thing that you said that kind of concerns me. You said that the ultrasound showed that the lymph nodes look normal, so therefore there's no cancer in it. They cannot confirm that there is no cancer in those lymph nodes until they have tissue. Which means that when you have your surgery, you may or may not have cancer in your lymph nodes. I mean, the probability if the lymph nodes are all small and normal looking on ultrasound is higher, but it's not a
1: guarantee. Imaging cannot make that true, okay? It was an ultrasound and a biopsy. Okay. All right. That's a different
2: story because you just said ultrasound. Okay. Okay.
1: It was, ultras- All right. it was an ultrasound and a biopsy on January 29th. So, um, I was the lymph, concerned- lymph nodes, a
2: biopsy of the lymph nodes or a biopsy of the of the abnormality in your breast? Did you get a biopsy under your
1: armpit? Um, I still have the scar right here. It was the uh, biopsy. It wasn't under my armpit. No.
2: Okay, was- so that, that that they did not biopsy the lymph nodes. Okay, they biopsied your breast. Mm-hmm. But they did not buy the lymph nodes. They looked at the lymph nodes, and if none of them are enlarged with a thickened cortex, they can say the lymph nodes appear normal. Okay. So they wouldn't do a biopsy. But that does not mean that they are definitely negative. you okay. know what it is.
0: And the second thing I wanted to say is that mammograms aren't a hundred percent. Right. So just because it's not seen on a mammogram doesn't mean that it's not there.
1: It's correct. And, and can
0: I piggyback on some? Yes.
1: My tumor was far behind the nipple, so you would not have found it with a regular exam. You couldn't feel it at all with an exam. It was way behind the nipple. But in the interim period with the time that had expired, because it is invasive ductive carcinoma grade three, so as a result of it being so aggressive and the time that expired, two more tumors developed. So I started out with the one way behind the nipple that you couldn't see. And by the time it was all said and done, I had three.
2: Right. But but, but my point is that abnormal nipple discharge mm-hmm. called mm-hmm. for some action. Yes.
1: Yes. That, that, yes.
2: That's my point. Yes. a 100% yes. about the mammogram. That's why clinical exam, History and mammogram are all three important. You can't take one and say, you know, I'm good. Right. You know, and, and and the last thing is the family history. People talk about family history and genetic testing. So you made a comment that the BRCA test was negative, so I don't have a genetic. No, because when I started practicing, we didn't know anything about the BRCA gene. hmm and just like we didn't know anything about the BRCA gene, there will be other genes that we don't know about. So if you test negative for BRCA, it does not mean there's not some genetic component. Okay. And I bring that up to say that if you have daughters, they still need to be hypervigilant because their mom had breast cancer, even if she's BRCA negative. Right. That's that is not fear, it's not fear-based thinking, it's just understanding the limitations of a test. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. Carmen, are you still here with us? Yes, I am. You- and now Joan has questions for Lisa.
1: I, I do. What is metastatic?
2: Metastatic disease? is when the cancer has
0: spread. Okay, this is, this
2: is what I tell people. People get confused about stage, grade, metastatic disease. Grade is the type of cell you're dealing with. It's like a horse. If your breast is a barn, the cell is a horse. A grade one is a donkey. It's not doing anything. It's just hanging out in the barn. It's not going to go anywhere. It'll stay in that barn forever, pretty much. Maybe wander outside, possibly. A grade two is a horse that can tend to wander. Not crazy, but it'll tend to wander. A grade three and triple negatives are wild stallions. They're ready to roll. They get out of that barn. They're through the pasture. And the next thing you know, they jump the fence and gone everywhere. When they jump the fence and are running all over the forest, that's metastatic disease. So when we're dealing with breast cancer, we have local control, which is what the surgeon does and radiation does, which just affects the breast. Hormonal therapy and chemotherapy and immune therapy affect the rest of the body. So that's getting that wild stallion that's running all over the forest. Okay. Stage is where is the horse in relationship to the barn? So if it's in the lymph nodes versus if it's all over the body, you're going from stage one, just in the breast. Stage two, stage three is involving the lymph nodes. Stage four is all over the body. Stage four is metastatic disease. Is that clear?
1: Yes. You you said something about even after the Mm -hmm. surgery, um, or, or even after you said, even after the surgery, or even after the removal, after the um, mm-hmm. breast removal, it, you could still have metastatic That's disease. So, so, so that means that once they've removed it, it could have it could further spread, or it could have already spread. Yes. Yeah, so one? here's
2: what it is: people always want to ask you, "Did you get it all?" And what I tell them is, mm-hmm. it's kind of like you're in a room say you walk into a contained room and there's an anthill in the middle of the room, right? And you take a shovel mm-hmm. and scoop that anthill and throw it out the door. What guarantee do you have that there are not ants running around in the walls? You don't, okay. that's metastatic disease.
0: Okay, so Lisa, at this point, talk about chemotherapy that someone might get before surgery versus chemotherapy they might get after
2: surgery. So, okay, so let's stick with the anthill uh, analogy. Because we know that if you have cancer and if you have invasive cancer, by definition, the cells can travel. You have a lump in your breast, but all your x-rays are normal. X-rays are not like CT, MRI, bone scans. It's not like an X-ray of a broken bone, where there's one piece of bone on one side and the other piece on the other side, and it's obvious. Metastatic implants have to be a certain size before we can pick it up on any imaging. And the tumor load in your body has to be a certain load before uh, even cancer tumor markers in the bloodstream will start to rise. So you will have cancer cells circulating in your bloodstream or your immune system that if we don't attack it with medication or hormonal therapy or chemotherapy, that eventually will start to grow. And then you have to rely on your immune system to attack those cells that are circulating, which is why I said preoperatively, before you ever get diagnosed, the most powerful thing you can do is optimize your health because that's your immune system. And, I mean, cause all of us have cells that are potentially trying to mutate walking around just as I'm walking around mm-hmm. and our immune system attacks them. And that's why we yeah. quote, don't get cancer. But when they overload our immune system or something catalyzes it like a cigarette, inhaling arsenic, then now all of a sudden you have more optimal environment for cancer cells. So, so, so neoadjuvant chemotherapy is chemotherapy that you give somebody before you operate. And there's two rationales for that. One is, the tumor may be so huge that you cannot preserve the person's breast unless you shrink it. And that's been usually the most common reason to give it. But the better reason is, and we do this if the person has positive nodes, and even if the tumor is not that big and you possibly could do a lumpectomy or the person's not even interested in preserving the breast. Remember my analogy with the anthill, okay? If you have an anthill and I fog that room with bug spray, and I come in and every ant is dead, I know that fogger worked, even for the ants in the wall. Now take that same room, I've scooped out the anthill, thrown it outside, I fogged the room, I don't see any ants. I don't know if the ants in the walls are dead or not because I have no point of reference. So what neoadjuvant therapy gives us is a point of reference. If you, have, you come to me with a five centimeter tumor, we do neoadjuvant chemo or hormonal therapy before I operate. And the next time I see you after four rounds of treatment, I can't even feel the tumor. That is amazing and great. And I know that any cells that are circulating in your body that want to turn into metastatic implants, those ants in the wall, they're probably dead, too. And it's been proven that that, what we call pathologic clinical response, complete pathological clinical response, when you do the lumpectomy and there's no viable tumor cells in that lump anymore, has an excellent prognosis long-term because you killed all those ants that were in the walls.
0: So would that woman need chemotherapy after-
2: It depends on what you find after you do the lumpectomy and the node. If there's residual, tumor for sure. And depends on if she got all of her, her entire, um, some people will split it up and sandwich the surgery in between chemo. Although there are some studies that show that if you give the entire chemo rounds and then do the surgery, that it's a little bit better, but it depends on your oncologist, the cell type, histologic grade, you know, there's a bunch of stuff. I don't want to generalize, but you know, a lot of times we'll sandwich it and see what the complete pathologic response is, and then finish up the last two rounds of chemo. Or if the person had hormonal therapy, they're going to be on hormonal therapy for five years anyway, so they just go back on their hormonal therapy.
0: Any other questions And now Carmen reveals something about herself
1: you know, a biopsy on my left breast that I'm having um, some kind of a, a slight nipple discharge on my right
0: breast. Wow, did you hear her? Carmen says she has a nipple discharge. so here we go nothing's ever simple life throws us curved balls we have to assume responsibility for ourselves and this conversation continues because there is more to be heard and much more to be said